Give me my the natural pa- bel grande and let me go in peace. <laughs> Welcome to Book Talk Etc., a podcast bound to grow your TBR. I'm Tina. And I'm Renee. And this is a conversational podcast about books and more from two Midwest mood readers who are easily distracted by new releases. And today, we're talking about our favorite books of 2023. If you enjoy listening, we'd love for you to follow us on Apple Podcasts or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And if you have a minute, please consider leaving us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or sharing us on social media. All of this truly helps other book lovers find us. Hey, Tina. Hi, Renee. How are you? I'm great. I'm excited. This is such a fun episode Mm -hmm. to prep for. Also, like most of our listeners will understand, we overthink everything when it Mm -hmm. comes to books. And so I, it's taken me hours to prep for this episode. Hours. Um, Yeah, I'm excited. But then I don't know about you, but once once I finalized everything, I had this thought where I was like, wait, is this it? How am I ever going to read this many good books again? <laughs> no, I know, right? And, and time shows that we will. We do and mm-hmm. we will. I had a good time making this list, but I've known my top 10 for some time. I've been keeping a note. That's kind of how I keep track of my TBR on my phone. And I have a note with TBR on it. And at the very bottom, I've been putting books that are contenders for my top 10. The first time I just kind of thought about it, I had 10. Then I added one lately to make 11. And so I had to bump somebody. But I'm pretty confident in mine. I'm very curious to see yours because as of yesterday, you did not know what you were going to pick for your top book of the year. Right. Once it came to me, it literally came to me. I decided, I mean, it was in my, it was in my top 10. I'll, I'll tell you how I came to this. But once it came to me, it was like a gigantic light bulb went mm-hmm. off. And I was like, how could it be anything other than this? Yeah. I don't know why I was even, I don't know why. Yeah. I'm, I think you're going to be surprised. I think our listeners might be surprised at what landed in my top spot this year. And I'm actually surprised. So we'll, we I, let's get, we will get into it a little bit more for book talk. Yes, we'll wait and see. Um, and so I will start things off with our loving lately, but I want to mention in the new year, Renee and I are going to meet and just look at our content calendar and talk about some things we want to keep, some things we want to modify. So in the new year, we're going to rework our episode structure just a tiny bit. But for today, we thought it would be fun to share our favorite loving lately of the year. And I had a lot that I loved. Our Loving Lately mm-hmm. segment, it's so fun to prep for. I will say sometimes, though, we want to make sure we're bringing the best of the best and not just like trying or buying stuff just for the sake of having something. So I really sat and thought, what did I love this year? It was the podcast Scamanda. I had to go with that one because that is something that jumped out to me as something I loved. But you all loved that podcast, too. And I feel like it was so fun to have people DM me and tag me in their stories on Instagram and say, oh, my God, listen to this podcast and like tag me as the person they heard it from. And that was a really fun experience. Scamanda is the podcast about the bubbly young family woman who may or may not have been faking cancer. And I loved the production of this and how they unfolded the story. I was like on the edge of my seat. And just when I thought this woman could not get any more brazen, she proved me wrong. I loved it and highly recommend listening. If you haven't already, I'm still, I'm jealous if you've not listened to it because I want to listen to it again for the first time. 
It's only eight episodes and there's four bonus episodes. It goes by pretty quick. I think if you're wrapping gifts or like want something, you know, this holiday season to keep you company, this is a good one. It's the podcast, Scamanda. Did you listen to it? I can't remember. No, I was just going to say, well, you're jealous of me then because I haven't listened to it yet. <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. But I do have a lot of wrapping to do. So I think I'm going to listen to this. And then the other one that you mentioned as another Loving Lately in our own backyard. Yes. Love that one too. That was a okay. tight second in your own backyard. And that one's a fantastic podcast. Oh my gosh. That one is long. Like there's 15, 20 episodes and each are at least an hour. I still loved it and highly recommend it. It just is more of an investment. So I thought if I think of this year, what's going to jump out? And I think it would be Scamanda. So okay. it was a year of a good podcast for me. I can plan to continue to discover and find them in 2024. Yeah, you're so good at that. And I would like to make more time for uh, for podcasts next yeah. year. And I might just, you know, use the... I, I was debating, do I want to spend the time we have now? Because we, we have a bit of a, a reading break. Do I want to spend the time doing podcasts? Or do I want to squeeze in some 2023 books? Or do I yeah. want to start on 2024? So I decided to go with one of my very favorite products I discovered this year. And the reason I chose it is because I have reordered it. Mm. And I feel, and it is something I enjoy so much that it just makes me happy and I use it every day. And it is the European Spa Shower Spray that I brought to, I don't know, I actually don't remember which episode. I love this spa spray. I initially um, heard about it on Good Morning America Steals and Deals, which is still a trusted place I find new products. I love this stuff. I, I just love it. You spray it in your shower. Like I spray it in the shower. I spray it around the shower. It says on the direction to spray it in the water. But I mean, I do that too. I spray it everywhere. It's it's eucalyptus. I do think they have a lavender one. This one is their classic, traditional eucalyptus spray. And it smells like I'm at a fancy spa every time I get in the shower. And I love it. I just What's love not it. to like? I know. I love it. I mean, if, if, if you don't like the smell of eucalyptus, I guess well, you might not like it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but I, I love the smell of eucalyptus. There's something really relaxing about the smell. And of course, I loved... I really, truly love every product I bring to Loving Lately, and that's why they end up there. But like you said, I'm I'm buying less. I'm really, truly buying less. So it has become a bit of a, what do I bring? And I'm going to, how do I expand on my Loving Latelys? So for this year, my favorite Loving Lately is European Spa Shower Spray. Love it. <laughs> it, it would be a good gift, too. Great. Now, I Great mean, commentary on my end. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Neat. I think that would make a good gift. Have you bought it for anybody? No, I haven't because I'm just not sure. Actually, I know one person who for sure is a shower person. Versus? But yeah, I'm not sure. Versus like a, like a lot of people just like they're bath people. So I oh. would get, yeah, I would get like bath bombs for them like, as gifts. What's the alternative? Can you tell I'm not a bath person? I'm like, I know you're what? not a bath person. No. Could, but would you sit would still? you want to yeah so. would you want to spray that would you yes. be into a shower spray yes or are you like I don't even care no I would I would okay I would I would care about that because I do like eucalyptus too all right speaking of the holiday season uh my latest read is Second Chances in Newport Stephen by T J Alexander 
I feel like every holiday season, I manage to find one holiday book that knocks my socks off, and this is my star for this year. It is about a trans man who returns to his Florida hometown for Christmas after his television career goes up in flames. And while he's there, he crosses paths with his high school ex. Eli has not been back in years, certainly not since he's post-transition and sober, but he wants to visit his family. It's Christmas and he wants to regroup because there was this big scandal in his workplace and now he feels like he's been a little bit blackballed from the profession. Of course, while he's there, as one does, he runs into his ex and his first love, Nick, who's now divorced in his 40s and has a world that revolves around his daughter, his father, and his job. He's a manager at a restaurant. And it's set during one weird Christmas season in Florida. The two must decide whether to leave the past in the past or move on together. So they hit things off. They start spending time together. And you're, it's really, really interesting um, because it's a story about family and about second chances and about loving someone through all phases of life and loving them as a person. I feel like I got good insight into the trans experience through the eyes of the characters and the author. This is a known voices book. And I I just loved it. It was really entertaining. I did a combo audio and read in print. And I highly recommend, even if you're not particularly into rom-coms, I just thought this was a very fresh addition to the genre. This was Second Chances in Newport Stephen by TJ Alexander. Okay, that sounds good. All right, my latest read is The Vulnerables by Sigrid Nunez. And I did listen to this. I have to make note of, of the fact that Hillary Huber narrates. She is one of my absolute favorite narrators. I do think she elevated this story tremendously. I do not think I would have liked it in, or maybe even stuck with it in print. So I want to start off by saying that first. And this one is really hard to describe because it's, okay, it's basically a story about an unnamed narrator who tells us the story of what happens in her life, in the lives of those around her, right before and then during the initial parts of COVID and the pandemic. So she is a solitary female narrator, and she looks at life and living and what it means to be alive at this complex moment in history. So think end of 2019 onward. And she will examine how our present reality affects the way a person looks back on her past. Now, on paper, I will say this does not sound like anything interesting, but it is. The author is very good at incorporating insightful reflections with humor. This book is funny in the sense of there's dry humor, there's sarcastic humor, there is insightful humor where you're like, huh, almost like you chuckle because you're like, wow, that's funny. And I can't believe she was able to put that into, into words. Like, it's really interesting. It's really, really interesting. There's a spirited parrot in this book, too, named Eureka. I love when an animal is incorporated in an original way in a unique way and i think she i think she did that with this book i think the supporting characters her friends in the story were really interesting and this is not a long book for about the first 50 to 
I was sitting at a solid four star. And and it really, truly felt like, like you're sitting down or you're overhearing friends talking about their lives. And it's interesting. And you're like a fly on the wall. I felt like a fly on the wall, for sure. That is how I felt. And I enjoyed it. It, it is set in a very enjoyable place. And I was interested in what she had to say. Now, I don't remember what percentage. I'm going to say by the 80th percent or so. The story took a dramatic swing into the political. And I don't like that. And it is not about what what was said. It is about the fact that I don't know why it was in there. And it felt very, very obvious or clear that the author's agenda was behind it. And why, I mean, for me, I do not need that. I don't, I don't want that in my reading experience when I didn't think it was part of the story. It became very annoying to me. And not that I disagreed with a lot of what was being said, but it was, but I didn't, that's not the story I thought I was getting. That's not where we were. And I, I'm not sure why it went there, but it, it completely tanked the rest of the story for me, which is unfortunate. So a four-star book went way down. I'm not sure where I'm landing with this yet, but it way down. It's not a four-star book anymore. But Hillary Huber, Save the Audio. It's The Vulnerables by Sigrid Nunez. Nice. Well, I was curious. I encouraged you to bring it because I know you're looking at another book possibly that I already brought to the show. Um, but yeah. I'm glad you brought that because I always like hearing about why books didn't work for people. And I could see what you mean in that case. It was just, it sounds like it was a bit unexpected. It was unexpected and it was unnecessary for the story. The only thing I could say is it felt like the author's agenda was important for her to get that in there maybe. Mm -hmm. But for me, it took away from the story I thought I was getting. Sure. Yeah. All right. Can't win them all, but these next ones are winners. Oh, gosh. Yes. <laughs> Before we get into our list, we're going to chat a little bit about book talk and, you know, just share some of our reading statistics, some superlatives, and then, of course, our top 10 list, which I'm real excited about. As of this recording, we've got about two weeks left in 2023, and I have finished 113 books and it's so silly because I'm like a little tiny bit bummed that I won't hit my arbitrary goal of 120. Last year, <laughs> I read 150 by the end of the year. And I remember having this like moment where I said, oh, I have 13 books left. Can I read a book a day? It was 13 days left, 11 books, I think. And I did it. I got to 150. I think because I was close-ish and I thought, I'm never going to do this again. But I had an unexpectedly busy year mentally and physically. <laughs> and so I'm still calling it a win no matter how many books I finish. I remember when I first started tracking books in 2009, my goal was always to read 50 books a year. So I am over doubled that and I'm perfectly happy about that. How about you in terms of goals or volume? Right. I did not set a goal because I don't feel like I, I need to set a goal anymore with the, with the podcast. It's a given. I'm going to read more than I'm used to reading before the podcast. So I just, I didn't set a goal. And yeah, this year I read a hundred, so far as of right now, I've read 126 books, which is less than where we were last year at this time at 132. But interesting. God, that's so many. That's so many lot. books. <laughs> it's a lot. 
It's a lot. But I felt like I read less this year because we have given ourselves more breaks or ability to read less because of like we've worked that in, which I'm glad. I think it was needed. Here's what's interesting. And thank, thanks to the story graph, which is where I get all my information, I read more pages. So 126 mm. books is 40,436 pages. Last year, 132 books. 37,000 pages. So I obviously read a couple longer books. Mm -hmm. So technically, does that mean I I did read more because I read more pages? I don't know. I'm happy with the flow and the where we like where I am with my reading this year because I feel like I had a bit more space to do other things this year, whether mm -hmm. it was binge TV, you know, binge TV series or listen to some podcasts. I felt busier with reading the year before last mm -hmm. year. Okay. How about you? Do you? I don't know. Well, I mean, you you same. overall, you were still busy. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, you still read a lot. <laughs> I don't have, yes. I feel like I'm on a conveyor belt, just like tr trying to get through my life. Uh, luckily, reading is a part of that. And I don't feel ever compelled. I'm never like, oh, I got to, I got to read one more book this week. Like I'm, it's just kind of my natural I guess, mm -hmm. flow. I try to read ahead when I can, and I'm always happier when I have a backlog of books. Like, okay, I've got six books that I haven't yet shared on the show. It makes me happy to have that cushion, although I don't need it because, like, I, you know, mm -hmm. I'm reading. Anyway, we also looked a little bit at our moods and genres. I'm not, I'm not surprised by my numbers. For my moods, Dark One by a landslide. It was very oh, obvious. Oh, okay. And again, yeah. we are using Storygraph's pie charts for this, which mm -hmm. I love. Um, I had 60 books that were considered dark. I'm 0% surprised by that. <laughs> Close second is emotional and then tense. And I thought, yes, 100,000%. That's me. That's the reading I like to do. So I'm not surprised by that. Okay, my mood. I'm not surprised, but I am surprised. So Mysterious is my top mood again, just like last year. And I had 53 books that fell into that category. But all but this is what's interesting. Emotional tied with Mysterious this year for me at 53 books. Last year it was Mysterious and Dark were my top two. Oh. And I fit I that makes sense. I know I read less dark books this year. And and so that is reflected right back. Isn't that weird how, like, I felt it, but then the the statistics back it up. Mm -hmm. I'm looking, StoryGraph has this uh, ability to compare year over year. And I looked at 2022, 80 books I read were considered emotional. <laughs> 80? Whoa. 80. I love it, though. I'm like one that's, I know some readers say they don't like to feel emotionally manipulated. I'm the opposite. I'm like, no, do that. Do Manipulate me. <laughs> like, I want to, I want to feel, make me feel something. But yeah, I think that's funny. Uh, Mysterious was in my top three last year, but not this year. What are your top three most read genres? Thriller, literary, and mystery. And last okay. year was pretty similar. Thriller, literary, and contemporary. They just, mystery and contemporary flip-flopped for me. Okay. Well, we, not surprisingly, were similar. Mine are my top this year and last, Thriller. This year, my second is mystery, and my third is literary. And then last year, it was thriller, mystery, contemporary. So mm -hmm. I knew I read more literary this year, which I wanted. That was my goal, was to read more literary. And so I did it. I don't know that any anything will ever overtake thriller. No, never. <laughs> I obviously never. <laughs> really love thrillers. <laughs> yeah, same. Same here. I'm happy LGBTQIA+. That has ranked in my top 
five this year. My top five tags. Uh, Last year it was historical. So I'm glad to see that that one bumped up the list. I felt that too. I've read a lot of queer books this year and I'm happy about that. We also looked at fiction versus nonfiction. I am not surprised. My fiction is 88% of my reading, nonfiction 12. In fact, I was happy there was at least 12%. I thought I was going to be in the single digits, but 12, you know, that's not bad. Okay. I, if you, before I looked at this, uh, I would have said I read more nonfiction this year. And I'm sure our listeners may think that because I have talked about a lot of nonfiction. No, I read the exact same amount. 15% of my reading this year, 19 books is, are, are nonfiction and 85% is fiction. And those are my exact numbers last year, which I am shocked by. I'm just, uh-huh. I thought for sure I had more nonfiction Me this too. year. Me yeah, too. Yeah, same. And I well, didn't forget to add anything in either. Actually, I'm thinking of four books I read this year I haven't even brought to the show that are nonfictions. So those are in there. So I haven't even, I didn't even talk about them on the show. Do you think you'll bring them next year? Or are you going to re- reset the deck? I'll probably reset the deck. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if anyone's, I, I may talk about it in our um, end of the year Patreon episode. I just didn't. I didn't bring them to the show because I was trying to, you know, not bring a lot yeah, of nonfiction. Too many nonfictions. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So anyway. Nonfiction's working for you though this year, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What was your average rating? My average star rating for this year is 4.04. <gasps> I'm proud of you. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's well, cool. last year it was 4.05. So oh. I'm I'm on track. <laughs> God, you are just nothing. If, not, if nothing else, Renee is going to be consistent. I am consistent. I am. And I like finding that out because I wasn't sure, actually. And I was like, huh, that's pretty much exactly the same as last year. What about you? My star rating is 4.29. Last year was 4.33. So I am, it's a, just down just a little bit. I don't think that's statistically significant. I will say I rated fewer books five stars this year. I was more. I don't know, stringent, but I have more, I have a lot of 4.75 stars. So I don't know what that means, really. I I do think I had a lot of reads that were fine, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that that were okay, that were good. I'm not mad I read them, but I'm like, "Mm, nothing to call home about probably. Right. Well, I think those are useful. I do love how the story graph gives us a bar graph of this sort of information so you can see very quickly. Yeah. So I had 45 Starbucks so far this year and 41 last year. So mm-hmm. that's 31% of my reading both years is our five-star reads, awesome. which yeah. I'm really happy about. Great. It's, I don't think that's too much, and I don't think it's too little. I think it's in. I think it's indicative of how I'm choosing my books uh-huh. and 100%. and sticking with my books and how they're landing with me. Yeah, I agree. This year I'm down. Last year I had 41 five star. This year 23. I don't know why. <laughs> this year's an anomaly. Listen, I I'm happy I survived this year. Quite frankly, so I'm just kind of like I couldn't tell you. I, I'm not going to look too far into it. I mm-hmm. bet I'll have more next year. I think this year probably. And I just said, oh, my normal cadence of reading is, you know, to keep up with the show, which is true. But I think sometimes I do finish a book. Like right now I'm reading one. I'm not going to say it right now, but I'm, God, I just wanted to end. I'm like, please just tell me what happens. Like what's going on? (laughs) I'm 40. I think I'm 51% in now and I should DNF it. I really should. But for some reason, I'm like, you know what? I'll, I'll do that in the new year. In the new year, I will DNF no matter what the percentage. 2023, Tina, 
if I'm over 25%, I'm probably going to finish. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so man. Well, um, but you've had plenty of DNFs because that's yes. how we've filled up our DNF episode. So you True. have DNF'd oh, yes. a lot this year. I as I, and I have too. I just don't like to get too far into a book and then DNF oh, it. Because yeah, I'm like, well, yeah. I'm mildly curious. I've gotten this far. How does it end? I don't know. You would right. read the last page, wouldn't you? No, you know, I mean, I have, I DNF'd what was trust that I just talked about by Hernan mm-hmm. Diaz at 55%. And yeah, I didn't and go, and go. I, I just let it go. Mm-hmm. I did not go to read the end. I just let it go. Okay, there's something to be learned here. There's a lesson there. <laughs> I did let it go because, because it may come back around. I've had some, you know, I've had some chats in our discord, at least with one patron in particular, who let me know that that might be one I can I can come back around to. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, the, and that possibility is always there. I like I want to leave that door open. I mean, that's how I prefer to do it. Now, I'm not opposed to like, if I'm like, I hate this book more than anything that I have ever read, then I might skip to the last. Oh my God, couple, that's you a know, str- I've done that's that. Strong, I, I know, strong. but I'm, I've done that a couple times, so. All right, well. <laughs> My book is Search History by Amy Taylor. <laughs> Said I wasn't going to mention oh, it. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. That your that's your current read. That I'm current read, and I just I'm not into it. I'm just like I thought it was going to be a little bit like Adelaide by Genevieve Wheeler, which I thought mm-hmm. was really good, and it's sort of that same vein. But I'm just getting annoyed with the main character. So, but wow. I'm again, I'm still mildly interested. I'm like, how's it going to end? So maybe I'll flip to the end. Yeah. Anyway, this I'm getting way okay. <laughs> way off track here. Before we get to superlatives, I want to ask you a question. Do you know of any glaring themes that were in your reading this year that you're like, that's a theme I loved this year? Motherhood. I have so many motherhood books, like, and I tend to really love them. I think there's three off the top of my head in my top 10. And and oh, I say motherhood okay. books. You can read it if you're a male, if you're you know not a parent, all of that. But like one of the central themes in this is motherhood, and I think for sure that stood out to me. Okay, can't imagine why. <laughs> what about you? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was thinking about this, and I would say probably reflection or reflective mm-hmm. reads have been huge for me this yeah, year. I could see that. Yeah. Very much. That's reflected in my top 10. It makes so much sense because I'm thinking about stages of life. And of Mm -hmm. course, you know, we're psychology folks. So I'm like thinking of like, you know, different stages and like what stage you are in life, how that relates to your reading life. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it'll evolve, I think, as we grow as people. Oh, for sure. Yes, absolutely. Because I'm over 50. So definitely square in midlife. I think when you start reflecting more and those those types of books really call mm-hmm. to me and i absolutely think when my kids were little i would i would have i mean i i didn't read nearly like you are reading now but when i did i was either actually i was drawn to either romance i remember back then as an escape or um books yeah books about motherhood of course mm-hmm. cuz that's yeah. where you're at yeah i'm I'm looking forward to when I can be more reflective, you know, when I have a little distance, just a little bit. I don't want to rush things, but a little distance, I think, is would be nice. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's do a couple of superlatives here. One of the ones that I wanted to ask was favorite cover, because you know we love good covers. And it was fun to go back through my list and storygraph and see, like, all right, which one really stood out? And for me, it's Whale Fall by Daniel Krauss. And this is the one about a diver who gets swallowed by a whale. But it's also... 
heavily about grief. So know that going in. But the cover is so visually stunning. You have this enormous killer whale, blue whale, and a little diver like swimming into his mouth. It's awesome and like definitely stood out for me. All right. For my favorite cover, I'm going with a runner up only because I want to keep a certain book a surprise, which is in my top 10 and would have would have gotten my favorite cover, best cover of the year title. But this is a close runner up. And it also allows me to mention this book, which was a favorite this year. It is Still Life by Sarah Winman. Oh, yeah. I love that cover because of the bird in flight. And, you know, I love my birds this year, especially. Mm-hmm. The bird is in flight and it is such a perfect, simple cover, but also very reflective and indicative of something that's very important in the story. And I oh. love I love when you finish a book and you're like, oh, that's why that is the cover. Layers. I like yes. that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So that one was Still Life by Sarah Winman. You know, it's funny. Yours is the year of the bird. Mine is the year of the ocean for books. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I had a ton of books that set in the ocean and I just ended up loving most of them. So very that interesting. Could be, that could be your second favorite theme this year. My second favorite theme. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Something very relevant to my life and very irrelevant too. <laughs> All right. Favorite debut. Oh, I love a debut. And I have a lot that I loved this year, several in my top 10. But I'm going to go with one that's just outside my top 10 faves. I did mention it in our mid-year favorites. It's Mame by Jessica George. My first book of the year. I have this track record of the first book of the year being five stars for me. Now I'm mm-hmm. really, <laughs> I'm <laughs> of course, in my head about what will I finish in January 2024. But Mame is excellent. It is coming of age about a young Ghanaian woman who shucks off the responsibility of her family in order to find herself. Really good book. Very good on audio. It's quirky. It's funny. And it's got a lot of depth as well. I really enjoyed it. And that's Mame by Jessica George. Okay. My favorite 2023 debut is Mother in the Dark by Kayla Maori. I read this way back in February, I believe. Clear standout for my favorite debut this year. It's so good. It's about a, a girl and her sisters and their very complicated relationship with their mother. So, so good. Just, I mean, Tina, I think you might like it with the motherhood themes. And it's not that long, but it was very bingeable. The audio was excellent. So it's Mother in the Dark by Kayla Maori. Yes, that was on my list. I'm glad you mentioned it because I kind of forgot about it. All right. Well, we'll do a little bummer town real quick. I won't stay here long. And I feel bad for beating up on this book, but we're talking about Biggest Disappointment. And for me, it was I Have Some Questions for You by Rebecca Mackay. And it's not a bad book. I don't believe that it's not worth reading. And I understand why a lot of people enjoyed it. I just had such high hopes for it because it's been a minute since we got a book from her. And I really love The Great Believers. And I just thought this was a letdown for me. Um, That was I Have Some Questions for You by Rebecca Mackay. Okay. I don't think anyone's going to be surprised to hear my biggest disappointment of the year is The Year of the Locust by Terry Hayes. Mm, mm, mm. That's not surprising. I've said enough about that. Um, I still I know have that's... to listen to your Voxer <laughs> about oh, why you didn't like it. Could you go listen to that? I because will. You, my God. You asked me to tell you it, why with it spoilers. Yes, So I you did. have to go back and hear. I'm so sorry. Every time I hear you talk about that book, I think there's the Voxer sitting there. I have to open it. Oh, yes. I mean, just to slide this in, but my but my two biggest disappointments of the year were trusted authors. I was 
highly anticipating their books. And I did not bring the other one to the show, but my second biggest disappointment of the year is Small Mercies by Dennis Lee Hayne. And I I have, between the two of them, gosh, I can't fixate on how disappointed <laughs> I actually was. But wow, what, yeah, very, very disappointed in what? both of those. A letdown. All right, best title. You brought this book up to our mailbag show ages ago. And I remember when I heard you talk about it, I was like, what is this book? It's Big Swiss by Jen Began. I love that title. And it's about a sex therapist transcriptionist who falls in love with a client while listening to her sessions. What a clever premise. My goodness, this book is weird. I liked it. Uh, love the cover too. It's very <laughs> provocative. Very interesting story. Uh, not going to be for everyone. I enjoyed it though. I'm glad I read it. Um, Big Swiss is the nickname of the person that she ends up falling in love with, which I thought, oh, how clever. Uh, so that's Big Swiss by Jen Began. Okay. There's actually a lot of really interesting titles that I've read this year. So my favorite title this year is actually not a 2023 release, but this title is so catchy and it's the title that caught my eye that even led to me reading this book. And it's Heads in Beds, A Reckless Memoir of Hotels, Hustles, and So-Called Hospitality by Jacob Tomsky. I think that title is so clever, especially for what the book is about. And like I said, it it grabbed my attention. It's why I initially, it caught my eye. Also has a really good cover. But yeah, between the title and the cover, it's the memoir about the guy that worked in the hotel industry and gave the behind the scenes juicy details. And it was just plain fun. There's a lot of really good titles this year. Yeah, I like that title though. It kind of creeps me out, Heads and Beds. It Heads like, and weirds Beds. me out in a <laughs> <laughs> mine, but mine was about a head in a bed too. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, like I said, there is a, a couple of my top books of the year. I love the titles. Okay, so we could go on and on with superlatives. The, these are very fun, and we have a lot more to say about our reading this year. So, if you're enjoying this conversation and you would like a little bit more, join our Patreon this month. Even just feel it if you just want to join for later this month. We're going to be doing our end of the year book talk after dark. Where and Tina and I are going to go behind the scenes a bit more of the podcast, some more in-depth feelings about this year's books, um, hits, misses, what we liked about certain things with the show, what we might be changing. I don't know. We're just going to do a whole conversation that's more in-depth and we have more superlatives to share then. Absolutely, we do. Let's get into the book list. All, All right, right, here we go. da 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 Number 10 is Fourth Wing by Rebecca Yaros. And this is the story about dragons. Really, it's about a war college for dragon writers and our unlikely hero, Violet Sorengale. And she gets thrown into being a dragon writer. And it's interesting. This book had a lot. It had romance, politics, death scenes, and of course, best of all, dragons. Those are my favorite part of the book. Once the shine wore away, this was the most buzzy book of the year. I, I took a step back and looked at it and thought, you know what? I still love my reading experience. I still had such a good time with this. It reminded me I can do fantasy, even though I understand this is not high fantasy. It still was very entertaining and a good escape. That was Fourth Wing by Rebecca Yaros. Okay. All right. So I will say that to choose my books, I went with Staying Power, except for one, which I just read. And so you will hear about a new book soon. All right. My number 10 is August Blue by Deborah Levy. 
one of my most underhyped books of the year. Also, one of my favorite covers. And this one is about the piano virtuoso Elsa Anderson, who, when she's in her mid-30s, walks off the stage in Vienna mid-performance and then begins her journey across Europe where she thinks she is being followed by her doppelganger. This book is so good. I loved it when I read it. I still think about it. It's amazing on audio. There's light British narration. The French language is spoken so well, as well as Italian, which elevated the story tremendously. Here's what I love. I was in a huge armchair travel mood this summer. So with this book, I was able to travel to Australia, London, Paris, and Italy. This book is dreamlike. It's hazy. It's atmospheric. And there's a mystery element. Um, What is actually happening with Elsa? I loved it. It has stood the test of time. Uh, I still think about it. I would still love to talk about it. I'm still reflecting on the ending. It's August Blue by Deborah Levy. Good one. Never heard of it. Just kidding. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Next for me is Go as a River by Shelley Reed. This is one of my motherhood books, and it's set in 1948, Colorado, about Victoria, whose life takes an unexpected turn when she encounters a stranger while delivering peaches. And this chance meeting offsets a series of courageous acts in her life, and it puts Victoria into a journey of loss, hope, and self-discovery. This book's beautiful. I do think you would like this one, Renee. Because it's got a lot of nature, writing, and reflections. It's very reflective. What's so cool about it, though, is that it's this, in theory, quiet coming-of-age story with depth. But it's also still a page-turner because she is forced into the corner in a lot of situations. And I love that. And, like, there were a couple scenes where I was like, no way are you going to do— you're going to do that. Okay. And, like, I love that. Also, historical fiction, I think, is something I anticipate. I want to make a priority in the new year because I love it when I read it, but I so rarely do. Um, but that book is Go as a River by Shelley Reed. Okay, good. Yeah, I, I, I would like to try that in um, 2024. Also, Tina, my next pick is historical fiction, mm-hmm. which I'm so, I'm so happy that I read it. No one's heard about this yet. I just finished this book within the last week and a half. I debated, is it too soon? Is it recency bias? I don't think it is. And and it it's enough that it even made it came to number nine. It bumped something else off. I binged it. I loved it. It is The Caretaker by Ron Rash. And this is, like I said, historical fiction. It is a story told against the backdrop of the Korean War as a small Appalachian town sends its sons to battle. So this story is set in 1951 in Blowing Rock, North Carolina. And in the story, the caretaker is Blackburn Gant, and his life has been drastically altered by a childhood case of polio. He's now an adult, and he seems condemned to spend his life among the dead as the sole caretaker of a hilltop cemetery. But that suits his personality because he's a bit of a loner. He doesn't mind living with the dead, he minds interacting with the living. And when his best and only friend, Jacob Hampton, is sent to serve overseas in the Korean War, Blackburn takes it upon himself with Jacob's request to care for Jacob's wife, Naomi. Now, Naomi is 16. She is an outcast in Blowing Rock. She is poor and uneducated and works as a seasonal maid in the town's most elegant hotel. 
And when Naomi and Jacob elope, it scandalizes the community and most of all, his wealthy parents who disinherit Jacob. So all of this has happened. He goes to fight in the war and Blackburn and Naomi grow closer and closer until a shattering development derails all their lives. This story blew me away. I binged this so fast. I could not stop. I was invested 100% from start to finish in the story and the characters. You would have thought I was reading a thriller with how the pace of this story unfolded for me. But it was literary. It was insightful. There were reflective sentences about life, friendship, loss, and more. I haven't felt this compelled to stay up as long as I needed to stay up to finish this story, and I did. I thought to myself, I don't care if you have to stay up till 1 o'clock or 2 o'clock in the morning. I was like giddy with anticipation of staying up that late. I didn't care if I lost sleep. I had to know what would happen. There is a very particular aspect of this plot that I found to be utterly original, and I'm still in awe of the author's writing ability to pull it off. This was The Caretaker by Ron Rash. Wow, you surprised even me. I've never heard of this book. I don't know about this one. I don't know. I think it's under the radar. I'm not sure. I believe it is. But boy, did that sneak in and just, oh. Yeah. Wow. Good job. Yeah. Well, next is a under the radar book. You've heard us wax poetic about it. It's Rootless by Crystal Zara mm-hmm. Apia, one of my most underrated books of the year. And it opens with Sam discovering that 1,300 pounds went missing from his joint bank account. And we learn that his wife, Effie, has unexpectedly traveled 5,000 miles away. And the novel unfolds as it explores the strain on their seemingly perfect relationship, revealing the challenges they faced after parenthood. And the book really gets into it. It dives into the complexities of love, sacrifice, families, expectations, and what happens when two people love each other, but love doesn't seem to be enough. Great for book club. I think this would make an excellent read. Read the content warnings because it can be very emotional, but it made me feel seen as a mother in ways that I haven't experienced that often on the page. It's complex and at times infuriating. Definitely has staying power, and I love Mm -hmm. this book. It's Rootless by Crystal Zara Apia. I love this too. This is my this would be my top fifteen if we did a top (laughs) fifteen. Okay, my number eight is Inciting Joy by Ross Gay. I'm I'm surprised he's number eight. Did you have to like restrain yourself because you thought it would be higher, or you weren't? No, I didn't have to restrain myself. I had to decide. No, I I'd thought long and hard about where this would land because I also liked the book of De- More Delights and I also mm-hmm. liked the book of Delights. And I was like, okay, figure out. I knew Roske had to be in my top 10. And I I said, figure out which one it's going to be. And, it ha- and it's this one because this is the one I have spent the most time thinking about. This is the one on my five-star bookshelf. This is the one I've talked about with other friends. So this is by poet and author Ross Gay, who considers the joy we incite when we care for each other, especially during life's inevitable hardships. So throughout these essays, which there are 14 essays, he explores how we practice recognizing that connection and also how can we expand it in an era when divisive voices take up so much air He offers 
this book as a vital alternative. What might be possible if we turn our attention to what brings us together and to what we love? This is such an easy-to-read mix of memoir, poetry, short stories. He narrates, which is absolutely the way to take it in, but then I wanted to have that print copy because I needed and still use it to go through and highlight and go back and refresh my memory. Like, oh, what did Roske have to say about this? I need to, there's certain things he has to say about life that only he can say. I just love it. It is very reflective. I love having discussions about this. I had a really great discussion with one of my friends who had not heard of this book until I talked about it, but then she went and and got it and she was using it to create conversations in her school. So I love this book. I hope more people will pick it up. This is a backlist. So I mean, I kind of forget that because I just <laughs> I just read it, but it came out last year. So it's Inciting Joy by Ross Gay. Good. I'm glad he brought you so much joy this year. Yes. Next is I'm getting into Thriller Town, which is a departure for me because I had a lot of suspense thrillers on my list and I don't typically find those making my way to the top 10. But then number seven is Bright Young Women by Jessica Knoll. And this is inspired by the true story of a sorority targeted by America's first celebrity serial killer. And the book follows Pamela, the president of a sorority, who narrowly escapes a brutal attack, and Tina, determined to find justice for her missing friend, Ruth. And the author was so clever in weaving these two narratives together and highlighting the lives of these exceptional women versus the killer that that often gets sensationalized in the news. The opening scenes of this are absolutely terrifying and make me never want to let my girls go to college or I don't want to leave the house ever again. But... I will say the rest settles into clever literary suspense. I thought this book was awesome. It's Bright Young Women, Jessica Knoll. Oh, yeah. Okay. You know, you reminded me that that is one I wanted to try to read before the end of the year. So you can do it. I can do it. I can do it. Funny that my number seven is also a thriller. Now, I wasn't sure any thrillers, like fast-paced thrillers, were going to make my top 10. And then I thought, no, they must. You Like, it has to. I have enjoyed so many thrillers this year. And my favorite this year is Never Far Away by Michael Carita. He's one of my repeat five-star authors. This one was about the wife and mother, Leah, who was extended a miraculous olive branch after she is a witness to a gruesome crime. And that olive branch was in the form of being sent to the state's protected witness program. But for this second chance at life and the chance to keep her husband and two children alive, Leah would have to leave them all behind and start a new life in the northernmost tip of Maine. So there she is alone and isolated along the banks of the Allagash River, and she is determined to focus on the present, her reclaimed future. But it's not long before the demons of her past come calling. This was a truly thrilling story from start to finish, just like the way Michael Carita writes. He does not mess around. He starts off with action. I loved it. I love everything about this. I especially loved the pace. I love the setting in the wilderness, which was a theme I really loved this year. I love how he tells the story, which was fast-paced, but also 
the way he creates layered, complex characters who I loved and characters who I loved to hate. There was moral ambiguity, which is something I really enjoy reading about. There are surprising twists throughout the story. And something this author does brilliantly is anticipate what the reader might be expecting. And then he thinks five steps ahead so that the plot twists not only make logical sense, but are truly shocking. That is exactly how I felt about the story. It was a winner from start to finish. It's Never Far Away by Michael Carita. Go ahead. Next for me is The September House by Clarissa Orlando. And Margaret is determined to stay in her dream home, even as it transforms into a haunted house. <laughs> Every September, <laughs> the ghosts return, and it's so bad that it's caused her husband, Hal, to essentially disappear. And Margaret is getting a visitor. Her daughter, Catherine, is coming home because she figures out, hey, my dad's missing. What's going on, mom? So she goes to check on her mom, and her mom's desperate to keep the fact that their house is haunted hidden from her. I completely loved this book. It is so funny. It's so unique. There's so many swear words. It's sort of campy, <laughs> but it's so thought-provoking. I thought the author did an awesome job with layering in a story. Like, in the beginning, you think, okay, you know, you think you know what you're getting, but then you get layers and layers. There's good mental health representation. There's haunting. Maybe is there haunting? Is there not? Is there mental illness? What the hell's going on here? All I know is there she's talking to ghosts. And it's <laughs> an awesome book. I loved it. This is a debut. Cannot wait to read more by the author. She's also a psychologist. You know we love when psychologists mm -hmm. write books. This one is fantastic. It is The September House by Clarissa Orlando. Okay. My number six is Behold the Dreamers by Mbolo Mbue. This was my first five-star read of the year. I can't believe you read it this year. Like, in I my know, brain, you read it ages ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was way, way, way back in January, but yeah. it was not my first read of the year. It was only my first five-star read of the year. I just loved it. Like I said, staying power. I really, really tried to focus on what books have staying power? What what do I still remember from stories this year? And this is one of them. It was a story about Jende Janga, who was a Cameroonian immigrant living in Harlem. And he has come to the United States to provide a better life for himself, his wife, Nenny, and their six-year-old son. And in the fall of 2007, Jende can hardly believe his luck when he lands a job as a chauffeur for Clark Edwards a senior executive at Lehman Brothers. However, the world of great power and privilege conceals troubling secrets, and soon Jende and Nene notice cracks in their employer's facades. Very soon after, the financial world ends up being rocked by the collapse of the Lehman Brothers, and the Jangas are desperate to keep Nene's job, and things start to happen. Oh boy, this was one of the most surprising stories I read this year. I loved the characters. I remember my review for this. I did the audio, which might possibly be my favorite audiobook of the year. This audio is fantastic. I would have swore there was a full cast narration, possibly at least two or three narrators, and there's only one. The voices are so good. I love the characters, the pace of the story. It's another story where the pace of the story felt like a thriller because it's so fast and I couldn't stop reading. The voices in the story were so strong. 
The characters are real and complex. I would have followed these characters to the grocery store to find out what (laughs) happened. What are you going to do next? I was just so invested. I still think about this family. I think about the thought-provoking ending, good or bad, love it or hate it. I loved it, but it was thought-provoking. This was Behold the Dreamers by Mbolo Mbue. I agree with you wholeheartedly. I read this too for one of our Book Talk book clubs. Mm -hmm. Loved it so much. You nailed it. And the audio is definitely the way to go with this. Absolutely. All right. Next for me is Strange Sally Diamond by Liz Nugent. And I loved this book. Obviously, I got to stop saying that. These are our favorites. (laughs) (laughs) I like this author, though. I've known her from a previous book I read of hers, but this one is standout. It's about Sally Diamond, who cannot understand why what she did was so strange. In the very opening pages, she follows her dad's orders and puts him out with the rubbish when he (laughs) dies. And I'm laughing because I don't know. And now, of course, she's the center of attention. People get wind of what she did. The media is involved. The police are involved. But also a sinister voice from her past that she has no memory of. And the book really begins when she learns to fend for herself and begins to figure out that there might be more to her simple life than she thought. This one is great if you don't know much going in. It's compelling. I really enjoy the audio. It's surprising. And it's got an ending that you'll want to talk about. I know you just finished this. And it was fun for me Mm -hmm. to have you, like, weigh in as you were reading it because it reminded me, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And then, like, the ending. So that was Strange Sally Diamond by Liz Nugent. Yes. This book has been on my TBR, well, since it came out. But then you brought it to the show. So I slotted it for a maybe sometime in the future And then now, after I finished The Caretaker, I was like, what am I going to read? And then I thought, you know what? No pressure. See what you think of Strange Sally Diamond. Oh, my gosh. I love this book so much. Well, obviously, what I had sent to you, I was wrong about. But Sally is probably one of the most memorable characters of the year. She's she's memorable. Yeah. And I actually couldn't remember what you had said about it, Tina. So I really went in only knowing that this is pretty popular this year. And I just wanted to find out what was going on. And yeah, it was really good. So I second that one. All right. Now my top five, this was hard. These are the tops of the top. My number five is The Vaster Wilds by Lauren Groff. And this one, I know a lot of you already already know what this is about. This is the adventure story about a servant girl who escapes from a colonial settlement in the wilderness. She carries nothing with her but her wits, a few possessions, and the spark of God that burns hot within her. What she finds in the vast wilderness is beyond the limits of her imagination and will bend her belief in everything that her own civilization has taught her. This is also a close first to my favorite audiobook of the year. This was my first book by Lauren Groff, and the writing just blew me away. It was so atmospheric, yet propulsive and compelling, while also being insightful and reflective. I lost count of just how many times I reread passages. I had said before that this was a story that I focused on, I concentrated on while listening to the audio. I did the whole thing on audio and then went right out and bought the print copy 
because I want to revisit this in print, but the audio is just so good. There was nothing I didn't like about this story. Absolutely nothing. I thought it was stunning. This was one of the two books that made me cry this year, and that will always inevitably land a book really high on my list. But something else I really loved about this story was the way she told the story in the omniscient third person. And I really think about that as a way that it elevated the story for me. There's a lot of conflict in this book, which is another strong theme for me this year. Yeah. And the storytelling was just amazing. So it's The Vaster Wilds by Lauren Groff. I was wondering if that might be your favorites. And I'm like, oh, okay. without looking at your you mm-hmm. know, books you've read, I'm like, wait, what's going to top? So, all right, we're heading into top four territory. Mm-hmm. Next for me is Nestlings by Nat Cassidy. And listen, you couldn't have paid me to predict that this would be in my top four. I don't know why. I didn't know anything about it. I just liked the cover. And this is urban horror. And the vibe is Rosemary's Baby meets Salem Lot. Totally agree. After a horrifically complicated birth of their first child, Anna and Reed think their luck is changing after they win a bid to move into a subsidized unit in an exclusive New York City residential building. And they quickly figure out that things have gone from bad to worse when their young infant starts acting really strange. This book was spooky and surprising. And I was so impressed by the way the author set up the mother's point of view, seeing as though he's a male author. He did a great job with this. It's unsettling. There's some great side characters, and you're constantly wondering the entire time, what's going to happen here? No, it's not. Is that is that really going to happen? Okay. And I love this. I enjoyed the reading experience. I did the audio and recommend that format. There's also a really great author's note at the end, too, talking about his life experience, what encouraged him to write this, and why he was able to write the female character so well. Loved this book. It is Nestlings by Nat Cassidy. Okay. All right, top four. Yeah, number four for me is The Singer's Gun by Emily St. John Mandel. This was another one I read back in February. So Staying Power, it has Staying Power. This one I did not bring to the main show. I did bring it to our best of 2023 so far this year, but this was one of my criminally booked reads. This one was about Anton Waker, who grew up with his corrupt parents. His parents dealt in stolen goods And he ended up, when he was grown, he was a successful purveyor of forged documents until he abandoned it all in his early 20s, determined to live a normal life. He had a career, he had an apartment, and he had a fiance who knew nothing of his criminal beginnings. And then he's on the verge of getting married when his cousin and former partner in crime forces him into helping her with one last job. But will that seemingly simple job prove to have profound and unexpected repercussions? Um, Probably, yes, you can count on that. So this story, boy, did it take off, really, that is such a basic premise for this story. This is set in New York City, but will also go to an Italian island, which I loved. This was literary noir. There's a bit of a non-linear structure to the initial pages. So at first I wasn't sure about it, but boy, once I got into the story, like this story has so much of what I love. There is literary sentences. There's mystery. There's melancholy. There's humor. There's love. 
There are very complicated relationship dynamics, and there's even some humor mixed in. There are cons and schemes, which was like a main focus of this story. There are criminals who I liked so much that I fr- I had to remind myself they're criminals. Like, but I liked them. So there is that moral ambiguity and the twists and turns, the way the story went, the story was full of unexpected happenings and an ending I still think about. The ending was perfection. Great epilogue. I love an epilogue. So nothing I didn't love about this. And like I said, it's still in my mind. So it had to have a place in my top 10. It's The Singer's Gun by Emily St. John Mandel. All right. Next for me is In Memoriam by Alice Wynn. And this is a beautifully written and propulsive historical fiction novel about two friends who are secretly in love with each other who get split apart by World War I. And I did not know that I like war books until this one. I'm not sure that I do like war war books. I like this one because (laughs) I just learned so much while reading it. It's one of my favorite reading experiences when I'm constantly Googling, like, did this really happen? Or how many people did that? As I'm reading a fictional story, I love when I'm able to learn while reading fiction. And I think this would be great if you like coming-of-age stories, if you like books with action, books that are historical fiction, queer love stories. I think you get a lot with this. And it made me want to, again, pair nonfiction books with it to figure out what actually happened to the soldiers that fought during this war. So highly recommend this book. If you've not read it, I I don't think I'm hearing enough about it. So I want to encourage you again. It's In Memoriam by Alice Wynn. Okay. All right, number three for me is Thirst for Salt by Madeline Lucas. This was another story narrated by an unnamed female narrator. That seems to be something that worked really well for me this year. The narrator is now in her 30s, and she has gone back to visit her mother at her childhood home in an isolated Australian coastal town. And there, she's going to recount her story of falling in love with a charming man almost the same age as her mother at the time, also at the time when she and her mother had a very complicated relationship. And this is really, it's like a looking back, like a what if, but there's a mysterious element to this because it's also, it's also very much a what went wrong, what happened? Because you know, you know early on that there was tremendous love here. And so what happened really compelled me. It's an introspective look at love and what might have been. And I love what might have been stories, throw in a little mystery, and the fact that it's told from a point 13 years in the future. So when she's telling these stories, she has the wisdom and insight of someone looking back And seeing now the patterns of their love story, the complexity of it, and the wistfulness for what might have been. Everything about this story worked for me from start to finish. And another one that it's just, it's in my head. I can't wait to reread this story. The audio is really excellent. It's Thirst for Salt by Madeline Lucas. Uh, Yes, I do remember that one. Mm -hmm. Next is a book that you also read. I don't think it's going to be in your top 10, though. It's Wellness by Nathan Hill. This book explores the evolution of the marriage of Jack and Elizabeth from their vibrant involvement in the 1990s Chicago art scene to the challenges of suburban life, parenting, and modern relationships. As they grapple with identity, 
unfulfilled ambitions and past traumas, the couple faces an oddly humorous and moving journey to rediscover each other. And this one really gave my number one a run for its money. (laughs) I loved this book. It was made exceptional by the audiobook narration by Ari Falakos. And I swear, if Renee has Ross Gay, I stalk Ari Falakos. <laughs> I love that, the narrator. I will read anything he, he narrates. But I still think this book was so, it was impactful to me. And what it taught me is that I really do like long books. And I like when I can sink into a story and not be worrying about where is this going? What's going on? I'm bored. I was never bored reading this, even though there were parts of it that were seemingly very tangential. He always landed the plane. He always brought it back home to Jack and Elizabeth. I feel like I learned things about my own relationship while reading this, and I just love this book. I can't wait for more Nathan Hill. I'm sure I'm going to have to wait some years, but that's okay. I will be here when he's ready. This book was Wellness by Nathan Hill. Okay. Yes. I guess I forgot. I wasn't thinking that might be in your top 10, but that makes complete sense. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. All right. My number two is Sycamore by Bryn Chancellor. This is very backlist, very backlist, but I just read it this year and thanks to our Kindle Graveyard episode, or this would probably still be lost in my Kindle Graveyard. This is a full cast narration audio and it was excellent. This one was about the girl Jess Winters. When the story opens, there is a hiker out hiking on a hot afternoon in Sycamore, Arizona. She's a newcomer to the town, and she stumbles across what might be human remains in a ravine. So very shortly, news of this this discovery makes its way around town, and the residents of this town fear that it might be the bones of Jess Winters, who is a teenage girl who disappeared 18 years earlier. And the mystery as to what happened to Jess is unsolved and has really shaped the town and community. It has haunted them and her mother ever since. So we do get to hear from Jess in this story. And this is something I really loved about this story. I do love a disappearance story, but the structure of this story is genius There is a past timeline where we meet Jess. We are with her when she is out the night something happened to her. So that was a really haunting way for the author to introduce us to Jess. There's a past timeline before cell phones. You know I love that. This story is atmospheric. It is very literary with highlightable sentences. The mystery is compelling. There are so many reflections on life, love, grief, loss, it's coming of age. This is the story that made me cry the most (laughs) this year. I have not forgotten this book ever since I read it. I immediately ordered a print copy. I loved everything about this book, and I really loved that it was also unexpected. If there's anything I've loved in a lot of these books is the fact that a lot of them, the storylines take unexpected turns, So this one is Sycamore by Bryn Chancellor. All right. Wrapping things up. My favorite book of 2023 was Hello Beautiful by Ann Napolitano, Mm -hmm. obviously. This is the emotional journey of William Waters, who escapes his tragic past and discovers love with Julia Padovano and her close-knit family. 
And the story starts with Will, but we really come to know all of the Padovano siblings, and things get really interesting when dark secrets resurface and relationships get tested. You all know my story about this. I was reading it, and I'm an only child. And when I was reading this, I thought, I'm longing for a sibling I never had. And that never happens to me. I never worry about that. But I really was like, gosh, I wish I had a sibling. And I thought, you know what? Maybe we do have to give Lily a sister. Later that day, we found out we were. And so, well, we didn't know she was a sister. We knew it was a baby, though. (laughs) And so (laughs) I'm just delighted I end the year with having two daughters, which is mind-blowing. We're very grateful. But if you like stories about family with a strong sense of place, I think you should give this a shot. This is also set in Chicago, and it just made me realize that my top two were both set in Chicago. So maybe mm-hmm. that's like another subtle theme that I've been gr- drawn toward. I love this book. I love the characters. I want to read it again. Highly recommend. And if you don't like it, please don't tell me. It's Hello Beautiful by Anne Napolitano. Well, I love this one too. And I mean... Yeah. Oh, that's right. You did read it. Mm -hmm. Yes, I read it. I loved it. I love that for you. You'll never forget this book. (laughs) Never, ever. I know. I had to tell the story one last time before putting it to bed. But yeah, it was a cool reading experience. That is so cool. All right. My number one, my favorite book this year is The Creative Act by Rick Rubin. I'm shocked. I'm <laughs> gobsmacked. <laughs> I know. What? I should. Yes, it is. It is. Wow. It's, I forgot the uh, tagline. It's the Creative Act: A Way of Being by Rick Rubin. I am shocked too, only because when we did our best of in July, like our best of so far, it was one of my almost made it. It did not make it then. Interesting. But it has it has wormed its way <laughs> into my number one slot because. I am on my fourth re-listen slash reread of this for this year. Four. Four times. Pardon? Yes. I'm on my fourth re-listen of this, uh, along with here and there picking up the print copy. And so there's nothing I don't love about I love this book even more each time I re-listen to it. And I feel like it encompasses my reading year in such a way, the reflectiveness, the way it's pushed me to really think hard. Now, in order for me to choose this book, here's how I did it. I asked myself, I channeled The Golden Bachelor, who, if you watched this season of The Golden Bachelor, repeatedly asked himself which woman he couldn't live without. So I said, I asked myself, which book can I not live without this year? Which book would I just be lost if I didn't have it in my life this year? And it's this, that's how I figured out, like, it's this one. It has to be. So this book, it's nonfiction. The best way to talk about this is a quote by Rick Rubin. And he said, I set out to write a book about what to do to make a great work of art. Instead, it revealed itself to be a book on how to be. And it literally is a book about how to be. Now, Rick Rubin is known for being like a a music mentor, a genius in helping musical artists just elevate their careers, their music, their art. But for this book, he has made a practice of thinking deeply about life and about being human and about what creativity is and where it comes from and what it isn't. And he has learned that being an artist isn't about your specific output. It's about your relationship to the world. And it has a place in everyone's life and 
everyone can make that place larger. And for me, this is the perfect combination of philosophy, psychology, and wisdom. And it just is the book that spoke the loudest to me this year. I mean, I love my fiction books, but this book has done something to me this year, clearly. Still, if there's one book I could give to everyone, it would be this book. Like I said, I'm on the fourth listen and I can't get enough of it. I'll just keep on going. I just, I love it. He narrates it. There is something tremendously calming about his energy and his voice I'm obsessed with listening to interviews with him and anybody else he talks to, but it's it's just been the highlight of my year. So it's The Creative Act, A Way of Being by Rick Rubin. All right, fine. I ordered it. <laughs> that is I awesome. Sh- I should have gotten this for you for Christmas, Tina. I didn't oh, even think about it. Way to go. No, I'm teasing. Yeah. Get the audio. I, I just, yeah, I just grabbed that too. I put a hold on that too. Mm-hmm. Well, that's it. Ah, we did it. Oh, that it's was a wrap. Fun. It's Thank a wrap. Thank you, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to us throughout the year. Um, whether you're a new listener or whether you've been with us from the beginning, you completely make this possible and you make our reading life so much richer. So thank you so much for your friendship, conversation, support, all of the things. Absolutely. I second that. And I I hope our listeners realize how much we think about you and how much we want to bring not only books that we love, but also books that we hope you want to hear about. We really do try to take that into consideration with everything we do. And it's just been another great year. So thanks for listening. Thanks, Tina, for, I mean, I look forward to this, everything we do. It's still the best time. It is. We still, truly, some of the best times of my week is when I get to talk books with you. So thank you. Yeah, and we are taking a little holiday break. So happy holidays, happy new year, and we will be back with you in 2024. That's it for today. We thank you for spending a part of your day with us. Links to all the books mentioned can be found in the show notes. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can help us by following us wherever you listen and by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us get our show out to new listeners and grows our audience. And don't forget, if you would like access to exclusive bonus content and community, please join us for $5 a month on patreon.com slash etc. If you'd like to connect with us, email us at booktalketc at gmail.com. You can also find us at booktalketc on Instagram, Tina at TBR, etc. And me, Renee, at It's Book Talk. Talk to you next year. In the meantime, remember, everything's better with books. I know, I know. I'm not taking this on. Oh, gosh. Okay.